This is the Detroit Sports Podcast Network. Hey everybody, this is Freddie Cohen of ESPN Radio. When I'm not talking about breaking news or breaking news on ESPN Radio, I'm always a fan and listen to the Detroit Sports Podcast, and so should you. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for downloading another episode on the Detroit Sports Podcast Network. You're listening to the One on One Podcast, where we have the opportunity to interview those working around town here in Detroit. And today, we got the blessing and the opportunity to talk to Max White, digital producer, WXYZ. Took us up on our offer to come to Sterling Heights have a chat with the doc. And just from my limited interactions with him on Twitter, seems like a guy that loves his Detroit sports and a fun guy to chat with over Twitter. What's going on, Max? Thank you for coming on our podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great. I I love my Detroit sports. I love my just, I love Detroit in general. We started off with some M&M. It's always a great way to start it off. Uh, I'm glad to be here. Did you grow up around town? Uh, Yeah, Metro Detroit. Um, Mm I, we basically Rochester, uh, just north of Rochester in Oakland Township. But uh, you know, moved out there when I was five. I was born in Royal Oak, so I've grown up in Rochester. Went to through the Rochester School District. All of my schools, you know, it's a small area, so all of my schools were within a mile of my house. So it was nice, you know, we didn't have to take the bus and did all that stuff. But yeah, I, I've grown up in Detroit, um, done everything around here. I, I started working for my dad uh, when I was like ten years old, delivering buns. So. I, I got to see the whole area by the time I was 12, and, and so I've always been a Detroit lover, even when everyone was a Detroit hater, because that's where everyone was based out, or all the bakeries were based out of. Growing up as a young lad, what were your earliest sporting memories? Who were some of the teams that you gravitated towards uh, as a young kid? So one of my earliest memories, and it's very, it's really vague, is the, the 98 Stanley Cup championship. I was only six, so it wasn't much, but probably my earliest, my love of sports came in the, in the 2002 season. Uh, when the Red Wings won the Stanley Cup with with Iserman and with Lidstrom and, and all of those guys, and then also Barry Sanders, you know, and, and his couple final seasons before he left Detroit, I was you know a kid and, and a Lions fan, and every kid, you know, you you grow up watching football, and so Barry Sanders for me was was one of the guys I watched all the time. What a fun opportunity for us to chat. Now, what interesting similarities? Barry Sanders retired via fax to the team before training camp. Now, as we're recording this, just as we're about to start, the news breaks. Calvin Johnson is retiring, and the similarities are so eerie and so like kind of sad to talk about. Both retired kind of in their primes at mm-hmm. 30 years old. Both are not going to stand there in front of the fan base and kind of give us that, you know, goodbye type situation. Very interesting kind of story with Barry Sanders and Megatron. Yeah, we talked about that before uh, before we started. You know, it's it's almost as like a Lions organization as a whole. We've had two of the greatest players to play in the NFL, one of the greatest running backs and now one of the greatest wide receivers who are retiring at 30 years old. Now, the differences I see are, you know, Barry Sanders faxed his retirement, what, the day before training camp. We kind of knew that Calvin Johnson was thinking about retirement a couple months ago, and we played the waiting game, and and as we inch closer to free agency, which starts tomorrow now, it, it, you know, and, and it came out yesterday that, the Lions were pushing Calvin for a decision. I, when I saw that yes, uh, last night, I kind of figured, you know, this is Calvin is is gonna we're gonna have a decision within the next couple of days, and so it 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 doesn't surprise me. I thought he was gonna retire, but yeah, it's it it sucks to to have two of the greatest players that are just now gone. Is your reaction sad, frustrated, kind of like you put your hands to get you put your hands together and just go or throw your hands up and just be like, this is the Lions, man. This is unbelievable. How can this happen twice? It's kind of like a feeling like ah, oh, it's bringing back. Like post-traumatic stress, like you're getting back that old <laughs> memories of like Barry and retiring and the struggles, and now you got Calvin. We're looking at all the highlights now on the NFL Network. Everyone's going to rave about him, but for me, it's just one of those situations where I wish it was tied to winning, and that's what what is really kind of sad about his retirement. Yeah, he never did get get the championship. I mean, what they were only in the playoffs twice, once or twice, and they lost both times. You know, he set the record for most receiving uh, yards in the season, which is great, but he doesn't have that championship ring. And I think that's going to become a, a big question when he when he gets in the Hall of Fame. Now he is tied to the Detroit Lions, and everyone knows the history of the Detroit Lions. And Barry Sanders still is in the Hall of Fame. But yeah, that's the thing. You know, it's it's just another another player's gone. Now, am I sad about it? Yeah, it it sucks that we lost Calvin Johnson, but we have all this money now. We have new new leadership of the team. You know, new new general manager who seems to be making the right decision so far. We got a lot of money to spend. And, and, you know, I think we're not far off from, from getting that playoff win. So it'll be interesting to see what happens starting tomorrow at 4, or I guess today at 4 p.m. 
Yeah, let's not look to the past anymore. Forget it. Let's look to exactly. the future. Let's hope Bob Quinn, because if Bob Quinn and his regime don't work out, then we're looking at some situations where you really could throw your hands up and say, is it ever going to happen for the Lions? Mm-hmm. And we'll talk, We'll save some, some, some talk for the Lions in the latter half of this podcast. So stay tuned because we're going to get to a lot of different things with Max, get his opinions on a wide variety of things. Because based on his Twitter page and based on his interactions on the WXYZ web chat every Monday that comes out, he's got a lot of opinions on a lot of sports. And that's a great thing. That's why we love having people like I that do. in here. I do. Okay, so as a as a youngster, you're definitely gravitating towards the Red Wings, and I could see why. They have great talent. The organization's winning. I mean, back-to-back Stanley Cups, 97, 98. Mm-hmm. They're an organization that's on the rise. They're playing great. 2002, they win the Cup. So you really gravitated a lot towards hockey as a youngster. Yep, hockey and football uh, were, were my two. You know, every, I think every every guy sort of grows up watching football and uh, you know the the Red Wings were just fun to watch. My mom always liked to talk about the Dead Wings and still likes to call them the Dead Wings. And for me, I don't know what the Dead Wings are because the Red Wings have always been good since I can remember. You know, like like you said, they won three cups within a six seven year period, and then they won another cup again six years later in two thousand eight. And the playoff streak is still continuing. I mean, the playoff streak was there hasn't been a year where I've been alive that the Red Wings haven't been in the playoffs. The streak started before I was born, so it's always been the Red Wings number one for me. Lions and, and Tigers, basically a close second. And then the Pistons, you know, close, Pistons a close third and fourth. Just uh, growing up in Rochester, the Palace is only 15 minutes away. So it's it was so easy to go to a Pistons game. And it still is so easy to go to a Pistons game. So it's, you know, yeah, Tuesday night, you know, don't have anything to do, but you want to go out and go grab Pistons tickets, grab a buddy and go to the game. Now, as we're sitting here, you're donning the old English decap. Thumbs up. Eh, Warm review on your shirt there. Citrus Bowl. So I guess you're a Michigan potential supporter? I am a Michigan How, fan. How'd you become a Michigan supporter? Family or uh, through the lineage of the uh, you know, the Block M? Family. I am a I am a Walmart Wolverine, but I am not the the Walmart Wolverine that everybody talks about. You know, I'm not Michigan is the greatest. You know, Michigan had a long time where they were down. Michigan State is a better program right now and, and I can say that fine. And, you know, yeah, it's fun to, to poke people's buttons. I love, you know, Justin Rose, who does the sports webcast. I love, you know, I know what our, I said poke his buttons, push his buttons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I love pushing his buttons. You know, you, you say, hey, little brother, that all it doesn't get him going as much as it as it used to. But, yeah, I'd, lo- I'd just, you know, but Michigan, Michigan is my team. Basketball, football. I'm a big Michigan hockey fan. And this just goes back to me liking hockey. I feel like everyone in Michigan likes hockey. But yeah, you know, I'll, I'll say Michigan State is, is the better team. And I don't have a problem saying that they are the better team. But Michigan is is my favorite college team. I'm also a big Auburn fan. My best friend went to Auburn, so uh, a couple of years ago I got to go down there watch a football game. And you know, everyone says SEC football is better than Big Ten football. I'm a Big Ten guy because I love the fall weather and, and wearing sweatshirts to games and blue jeans. But with uh, with the SEC, it's it's a different brand down there, and it's a whole different lifestyle. They wear sundresses to games, and, and a, a lot of the freshman fraternity pledges wear full suits to the games. Now they have to because they're pledges, but it's a different world, but it is fun. So did Auburn win the game that you went to? Auburn did win the game. It was against South Carolina. I got to see the old ball coach. Um, it was 42 to 35. They scored a touchdown in the fourth in the fourth quarter. They went back and forth. It was a great game. Uh, and then we got to roll Tumor's corner after. So I'm not I don't know if you're familiar, but uh, in Tumor, there's a there's a, a street in Auburn, Tumor in College, I believe, or Tumor in Magnolia. Or no, it's Magnolia and something, but Tumor's Drugs is on the corner. And what they do is they just teepee the entire corner. And there used to be two oak trees there. They called them Tumor's Oaks. Well, you may have heard the story, an Alabama fan a couple years ago after Auburn fans put a Cam Newton jersey on the Bear Bryant statue of Alabama, he went and poisoned the trees. And they had to take the trees down. So the trees weren't there when I got there, but they hung up a bunch of chicken wire. And you get to go and you you throw the whole, you know, you, they have toilet paper you can buy for a dollar all over campus as you walk after the game to Tumor's Corner. And just everybody goes. They fill the streets. They and in driving, I drove back to Atlanta the next morning after the game to to catch a flight back to Detroit. It looks like it had snowed for the entire area, and it was awesome. No, that's fun to go. You get a chance to kind of see something different. Mm-hmm. The SEC football too is a little bit different. More speed, a little bit more excitement, and of course, really in any situation when you go down to a college town and and especially one like Auburn, you're gonna have a rabid fan base, and that's what really makes college sports. Really kind of interesting in terms of professional versus college sports. Do you lean more towards one or the other? Because a lot of people debate that. Are college sports as fun as professional sports? Uh, for for football, I lean towards college. It goes back to the traditions and and the fact that you change players every four years. And you know, in, in the NFL, they're all playing for money now. In college, it's a lot different than it used to be. But I still think sometimes some people play for the love of the game. 
And it's fun to watch the college games. And I went to a Michigan game last fall. I took my younger brother for the first time, uh, his first Michigan game, and the first time I had been out there for a while. And it was, you know, you get down there, you tailgate. And like I said earlier, the fall weather, it was an, it was an early November game. They played, um, who did they play? I think Maryland or Rutgers, and they blew him out. So we left a little early because, you know, you know how traffic can get there, and it was a blowout anyways. But, yeah, for college football, I lean towards college football over the NFL. Now I still sit down and watch both games on Saturday and Sunday religiously. Um, but for, for most of the other sports, I lean toward towards the uh, the professional level. So how would you describe the difference between maybe the big house versus, the, you know, the Auburn Arena? So the big house, you know, you're packed in there. 107,000 people. I think it's actually more now mm-hmm. and it's all bleachers and that's, you know, you're packed in there shoulder to shoulder and there's, and it's just the one area. So at Auburn at Jordan Hare stadium, they have different levels of sections. And I sat in the student section uh, with my friend instead of sitting in the regular area, you know, we were on our feet the whole time and I'm, I'm sure that that's how it is. I've never sat in the student section at the big house, but you know, it, the food choices are also different. They have a lot of different food choices. Um, you know, a lot more Southern food and, and barbecue and stuff, but it was fun there. You know, it's there, it's a whole different, world down there their tailgates they have full tents and rvs and they have sanctioned sponsored tailgates where families will get sponsorships and they have food and everything and it was a blast you know being a spartan alum yes for us (laughs) (laughs) um the tailgate at michigan state is is rather nice too it feels like it's a very communal atmosphere you can Mm kind of walk around people are more than you know willing to share you know you share different dishes people kind of go around and go hey what do you got there and you know share beers Mm -hmm. i've tried so many different kind of beers that i never (laughs) thought I would because people are just so nice yep. and friendly. Did you get that vibe down the south? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we didn't even we didn't really have a tailgate. We just went to a bunch of different student tailgates, and then uh, my best friend's sister is in a sorority down there, so we went to one of her sorority sister's family's tailgates. And I'll tell you what, those people they have some of the best food I had ever had, and the, everyone was nice. You know, you stop by a tailgate and they'd hand stuff out and offer it to you or say, "Hey, come on in." And you know, we didn't do it. We were trying to get, especially sitting in the student section. It was. Uh, you know, it's general admission, so you kind of line up to get there. So we didn't have as much time to tailgate. But we left, I think we left his apartment at 11.30 in the morning. The game didn't start until 6.30 at night. Oh, boy. And then by the time we got back from rolling Tumor's Corner and then finally eating, we went to McDonald's after it was 1.30 in the morning. I mean, it was it was like 14 hours out there, but it was a blast. I wouldn't wouldn't change for the world. I mean, that's the, you know, I went down there to see my best friend, but I wanted to see an Auburn football game and we had talked about it forever. So lived up to the hype and you had a great time. Oh, it was a blast. Your current role at WXYZ is digital producer. Mm-hmm. Did you want to go to school for that, or did you kind of kind of f- fall into that niche? So I've I've always wanted to go into journalism mm-hmm. uh, since I was a kid. I always watched the news, and so I went to high school at Stony Creek High School. Took a journalism one intro class just for fun uh, as a freshman in high school, and kind of fell in love. And so I, I worked on the newspaper my sophomore year, was sports editor my junior and senior years. Um, and then from there, I went to Wayne State University, studied broadcast journalism. My goal was to always be a, a TV producer. So you produce like the 6 p.m. or the, the 11 p.m. or the 6 a.m. show and lay it all out. So when I, I got an internship at Channel 4 my junior year, went from Channel 4 to Channel 7 my second semester. From there, one of the guys I worked with got really sick on the web team, got lucky. They hired me temporarily. First time I'd ever worked on the web, never even thought about doing it. So after that, I turned down an internship offer at CNN to become an associate producer at Channel 7. Uh, that's where I started working toward my goal to going on to producing TV news because I was writing the scripts uh, for the anchors and working with the producers to learn how to produce. About two weeks into it, I, I'm like, oh, my God, I really miss this web stuff. I never thought about doing it, but I, I kind of fell in love with it over my three months working temporarily. Knew there was going to be an opening a couple months later. So I, I wrote my boss to Seth and Lyle, almost like a love letter about how much I missed it and wanted to come back. And so they worked it out, did their boss stuff and worked it out that uh, going back, I worked on the web and I've been doing it ever since and I love it. What does your job entail as the um, WXYZ digital producer? So I do a lot of social media um, on our Facebook and Twitter pages. I also do a lot with the website. So breaking news situations, um, you know, you write the story, you get up photos, send push alerts on our mobile app. We, we edit stories so the reporters will send in, the reporters will do their script for TV and then they'll also send in a script for the web uh, that we put on after their story airs. And so we'll have to edit their stories I love doing sports, so I try to write a, as much sports as I can. And you know, working weekends gives me the time to do that because it's not as busy on weekdays. So I've I've written stories about <laughs> I don't I don't take credit for Martin Mayhew and Tom Lewan getting fired, but the day before they got fired, I I had been working for a couple of days on a story, just breaking down every single draft pick that they did, and it wasn't pretty. I mean, as you probably know, and as most people in Detroit probably know, it wasn't a pretty draft. And then I published a story, sent it out, it went crazy, and then a day later they both got fired. 
So I, you know, this all happenstance, but it was just, it was fun. And I love working on stuff like that, long-term pieces and long-form pieces. And that goes back to my, my newspaper background is, you know, and that's the thing working on the why we're not limited by column inches and in newspaper, you're limited by column inches. And, you know, so you have to, you, when you have a 400 word story, you kind of have to be around 400 words. Now you can put a longer story up online, but that's the beauty of it. Online, you're not limited by anything. You can write as much as you want. Okay, so take us through that experience of writing a story. Did you get a sense that, okay, if I write this or if I put this out there, that this particular story with Martin Mayhew and Tom Lewan, when you look at it, did you get maybe a sense beforehand that this, is, this could be a story that could generate a lot of buzz? I thought so just because I'm a Lions fan, and I knew just looking back at the drafts, we don't have any anybody on our team from the drafts that, that's any good. And the people we do, they're not playing well. So I wanted to go back and look. So I did. I started one day and, and did it in my spare time while I was at work. And then I went home and worked on it later. And then I got back in the next day, wrapped it all up, checked everything, had somebody else check everything. And then I published it and it went crazy because, you know, that's the thing. Lions fans aren't happy. They weren't doing a great job. The players weren't working. And just in finding out some of the things, I think it was everyone from the 2010 or 2011 draft. They weren't even on the team anymore. Um, and then going back and looking at the players they could have picked, you know, they traded a fifth round pick to Seattle one year for, I can't even remember who, but that shows the Lions. That fifth round pick Seattle used to pick Richard Sherman. And then the next year they traded a fifth round pick to Seattle and Seattle used that pick to pick, what's his name? Cameron. He's he's their safety. I, but so it, it it was just frustrating as a Lions fan. And so that's, you know, where I where I got the idea to write the story. Now, what do you mean when you say it went crazy? Do you start to get a lot of retweets? You get a lot of reads? You get a lot of engagement? Yep. What does that mean? Take us through that situation. And how do you start to realize, okay, this is something that's a little bit different than any, any other standard story I put up there? So it was getting retweeted a lot. And I think that helped that, you know, our sports anchors had been retweeting it. And then everybody else who follows our sports anchors see it. And then we put it out on our Facebook page too. We have two Facebook pages. We have the WXYZ page. And then we have the WXYZ sports page. We have uh, you know over 250,000 likes on the WXYZ page, so people can share it and see once they see the story. And I think Lions fans who were just as frustrated as I am were just saying, hey, let me click on this, let me read through it. And then they were like, wow, that's crazy. So they shared it and their friends saw it. And then we can measure how many people share it. You know, If you've, anyone's shared anything on Facebook, you can say, you, know, you can see how many people have shared it. And, and so many people have been sharing it. And then we could see how many people were reading the story. And not only just reading the story, but they were staying on the story because it was long for a minute and a half, two minutes rather than 15, 30 seconds. Like it takes most people to stay on the story. Okay. So you can actually measure those kind of things and anything that particular that you throw up there. Yeah. I, it's, I like to uh, compare it to 1984, the book, big brother is always watching. We can tell on a program we use called Chartbeat how many people are looking at each story, where they're looking at the story from, whether it's Detroit, you know, what country, uh, more, more countries. So we can look and click on Canada and see how many people in Canada are, on our website and then how many people are what what stories they're reading so it'll be fun sometimes we'll get like a romania and i'm like what is someone in romania reading on wxyz.com it'll be some story that's like a year old but it's it's cool but that's what i always compare it to 1984 like we can tell what you're reading how long you're reading it where you're reading it from it and that's how you you track and that's how you know the i believe they find out how much you know you can sell ads for and stuff like that. Okay, and so take us through the WXYZ platform. Uh, you have the Facebook page, mm-hmm. you have the Twitter account. Uh, what other social media outlets are there for WXYZ? So we're on Instagram. We're trying to use Instagram more. Uh, it's mm-hmm. just at WXYZ Detroit. We use it a lot during big events. So we're the station of the the auto show. So the auto show we use it a lot. I'm a big racing fan. So coming up, we have the Grand Prix in uh, in June. So I'll be using it a lot there. I'm in charge. Uh, uh, last year, I was sort of in charge of the Grand Prix. I'm hoping I'll be in charge of it again. We also have our website, WXYZ.com. We have a mobile app, just WXYZ Detroit, if you search it in the App Store or Google Play Store. Um, and then with that mobile app, you can sign up to get push alerts for breaking news, weather, sports, traffic. And I, I keep all of them checked because I want all of those things. But say someone doesn't want to be – if you don't like sports, well, you shouldn't be listening to this podcast – but you can uncheck the sports button and then we won't send you sports push alerts unless it's a breaking news sports push alert like Calvin Johnson is retiring. Okay. Now you said you, at some point in time in your workday, you are responsible for manning the Facebook page and the Twitter page, WXYZ mm-hmm. Detroit. Yep. So you're responsible. You can send out tweets to 135,000 people mm-hmm. that potentially could see this tweet. Yeah. What's that like? <laughs> Knowing that at the push of a button, you have the ability to reach 
a large audience because it was different for me because I was just a regular guy. You know, my full-time job is being a psychologist. Mm -hmm. And once we started to build our Twitter page at Detroit Podcast and you start getting like engagement numbers, you start Mm -hmm. seeing how many people are actually reading it, you start going, oh boy, I better really be careful before (laughs) I press send. And I really took to what Herman Edwards said. Listen, type whatever you want if you're mad, but you don't have to push send. What's that been like for you knowing that you have a big responsibility, but it's also kind of fun too knowing that, hey, I have the ability to kind of work and get some engagement and put out some information that a lot of people are going to see. So most of the stuff we put out on the WXYZ page is just tweeting with links to our stories to try and get people to go on our website. Other times I, I live tweeted the Democratic debate on Sunday. Uh, first time I've live tweeted a debate, it was much easier than I'm guessing tweeting the Republican debate because there were only two candidates. So you only had to follow along back and forth. But yeah, it's it's crazy because you, you do have that power in your hands and you kind of, especially with the the online world, you know, you want to make sure you spell everything correctly because there are times when I've spelled something wrong on our Facebook page and the people in the comment section are not happy with me. And uh, I, I've also learned not to read the comment section or take anything personally in the comment section. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's you know, it's crazy with the click of a button, I can reach that many people. But then also you, you have to be careful about what you send out because, you know, you don't want to offend anybody and, and not everyone's going to like the stories you want. And, and I've learned in my job kind of what people will click on and how to word things. So um, if, if there's a breaking story that we update on our Facebook page, I'll say, this is what happened. And then here's what we know. And then everyone's like, oh, what do you know? I want to know what you guys know. So they click on the story a lot more than they would just click on if I said, this is what happened. Because if, if I say, this is what happened, they're like, oh, okay, this is what happened. I don't need to click on the story. But if I say, here's what we know, or here's more of what we know, they're like, oh, there's more. Click on the story. And so your superiors are pretty satisfied then with the amount of engagement that you're getting. Are you guys always kind of constantly reviewing new avenues of trying to get people to kind of go to that site at WXYZ? Because the competition on the internet is so vast. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're not talking about just trying to compete for eyes in Metro Detroit. Mm -hmm. You're trying to compete for eyes worldwide. Yeah. Now we just, you know, we we try to post as much as we can. Okay. Um, And and the technology is changing too. So Facebook has now introduced Facebook Live, which is where you can go live right from your page. And so we did it yesterday before the webcast, we went live and and it reaches a lot of people because I think as it's new, anyone who likes our page gets an alert that says WXYZ is live. So we've also done it. uh, We have the Suburban 47 Sports Cave on Sunday. So we've we've tried going live before that a couple of times. So once we did it with Darren McCarty and it's crazy, you're on there for five minutes live and you get like 6,000 people watching. Um, and we've done it in our morning show and I was talking to one of our directors and one day we had like 18,000 people watching total. And I think that's close to a one share rating on TV. And these are just people on Facebook watching from their phone or their computer. So that's the craziness of the technology changing. Oh, wow. Yeah. And just speak of uh, funny mistakes. Your colleague, Casey, put out a tweet just then, and I kind of responded to her. She put out a tweet and said, there won't be a tearful retirement press conference from Johnson, perhaps because he knows she couldn't get as many laughs as Peyton. And so <laughs> who's the first idiot that comments? Me. I'm like, oh, she is that Freudian? <laughs> She's like, oops. Yeah. So it's fun. It's fun sometimes to banter back and forth. But do you get do you react strongly to some of the mean stuff that goes on? Because nowadays what you see is a lot of people are going, you know what? Twitter's nice. It's a nice place to go to to kind of selectively get information. Mm-hmm. But the ability to get nasty stuff, the trolls out there, is unbelievable. Yep. And I'm sure you've probably come across some things that you wouldn't believe that people would actually type in a box and then press send. And we have as well. But I kind of took in the attitude of I laugh at it. And I have always say that Jimmy Kimmel made it kind of funny to look at those kind of tweets oh, and go. Tweet, yeah. yeah. So, But a lot of people in town, you know, high, pro- high profile radio guys are just going, you know what? Forget it. I'm just going to put it down and not even taking Twitter hiatuses, Mm -hmm. going years without sending out tweets. I personally love Twitter. I Mm -hmm. I think it's a great way to get out your information. And as long as you know how to handle the negative side of it and you keep it in perspective, I'm okay with it. How have you kind of experienced that side of it? So I was I I was never a big Twitter guy until I I started interning at Channel Four, and then I'm like I should get into this. And then when I when I started working at Channel Seven and Twitter became a part of my job, I'm on Twitter all the time now. But when I when I started working, I did take things personally, and it and it hurt. But that I was new to it. Now just it's like in one ear out the other. I I know not to take it personally. People love to hide behind a computer screen and say mean things. So you know it, it's just I I listen to it. I see it. And then if it's an actual comment telling me how to change something or how I should fix something or telling me that maybe it's not true, I'll look into it more and then fix it if it needs to be. But if someone's just saying mean things or making mean comments, I kind of just, and if then if they make a fun mean comment, I'm like, oh, that was a good one. Yeah, yeah, that was good. You you got me there. 
Uh, but I don't take it personally anymore. You can't because if you take everything personal, you're going to drive yourself crazy. Now, you spoke of your internship at Channel 4. Mm-hmm. What were some of the experiences that you uh, got the opportunity to have? Because in speaking with people that have come here, they really have shared that being an intern around town at Channel 4, Channel 2, Channel 7, or whether it be on the radio or with one of the teams, it's kind of a fun experience. You get a chance to do a lot of new things and things that uh, you wouldn't be expected to do as an intern. How was that experience for you as an intern? It was fun. Yeah, it was the when I interned at Channel 4, it was my first time in a newsroom. So it was just like my eyes were wide open and um, my, the advice I give to people who are, who are trying to get internships in a news business and who get an internship in the news business is ask questions because these people are willing to help you. But if you don't want to ask questions, they'll let you sit around and answer the phones all day because they have their job to do. And they, you know, if you're not going to take the time out to ask them to help you, then, you know, some people might not take the time out to ask you to, you know, to, to help you out. Now I had a great mentor at, uh, at channel four. His name was Chuck Jackson. He actually used to work at channel seven and I asked him questions and he was great and he helped me out with anything I needed. So, you know, I got to go out and with photographers and do interviews with people I never thought I would have or, you know, sit in the control room. At, when I was at Channel 4, I wanted to be a producer. So I sat in the control room every morning. I worked 4 a.m. four a.m. to noon. So I sat in the control room from about 5.30 to 7 a.m. and just shadowed the producers. And everybody was great and I loved it. And also make yourself known because at Channel 4, when I worked, there were nine different interns over different periods over the entire, over the seven days a week. And because I worked at 4 a.m., you know, I was the only intern, but still, I was the new guy. I was the intern. So I think my second week there, I stopped at Tim Hortons like 3.30 in the morning and said, hey, I need whatever donuts you have, three dozen of them. Picked up three dozen donuts, brought them into Channel 4. Everybody loved it. Everybody knew who I was after that point because I was the guy that brought in donuts. So uh, some fun stuff I had when I was at Channel 4. Uh, when Kwame Kilpatrick and Bobby Ferguson were sentenced, uh, I, I went down for Bobby Ferguson sentencing to get sound bites. And there's video of me talking to his attorneys, little intern Max holding the Channel 4 microphone, uh, surrounded by ML Elric at, at Channel 2 and Heather Catalo, who I now work with at Channel 7, uh, asking the questions. And then it was just a media scrum. It was all the photographers in front of us, just like you'd see on TV. So it's Heather and then ML and then all the photographers. And then there's intern Max holding the Channel 4 mic and letting Heather and ML ask all the questions because they know more about it. But later that day, when I got back into work, I'm sitting in the control room, uh, you know, watching the 6 p.m. producer. And uh, one of the producer comes in and says, Max, you're all over Channel 7 right now. So I look on the TV and there I am on Channel 7. And then I look on the TV, there I am on Channel 2 and then Channel 4. Then the next morning, the free press and the news come out and they have photos of their attorneys. And then there's intern Max on the photo. So when I got to Channel 7 and I and I met everybody a couple months later, I, I called over Heather. I said, Heather, I got to show you this. And so I pulled up the video from Channel 7's website. I'm like, look, there I am. And it was Beardless Max. I have a beard now. It was Beardless Max, like getting sound bites with Heather. And Heather has no idea who I am at that time. But it was fun, you know, and that's the fun thing. And I, I almost became sort of a legendary intern at that point. And I still keep in contact with a lot of those people. Uh, Ashley Barracy had her going away party. She went to Columbus a couple months ago. So I it was good. First time I had seen all of the morning crew, we got, all, we got back together, went and played Foling downtown. It was a ton of fun. Okay, so what were some of the other stories that kind of caught your attention as an intern? Uh, there, you know, the morning is a lot of the stuff that happens at night. So, mm-hmm. you know, we live in Detroit. Unfortunately, there are mm-hmm. a lot of shootings and a lot mm-hmm. of crime that happens. Uh, so there was a lot of a, a lot of crime gets covered. I know there was an assignment editor at the time that was working on mapping out each shooting in Detroit mm-hmm. and had been working on it. I was there for the fall, so September through December, um, and it was cool to see her work and and get the DPD crime report every day, and then just fill out a list of you know the where the shooting happened, what area. Uh, you know, how many people were shot, uh, you know, all, all this stuff. And, and then later on, near the end of the year, they got a giant map of Detroit and they used pinpoints or uh, push pins to, to show all of the shootings. And it was crazy, but they had worked all year on it. It was cool to see this this year-long project finally come to fruition. Uh, some other stuff, I, I sat in the morning meetings a lot, so it was cool to see how the news is planned for the day. You know, with the producers and the reporters come in, they pitch their stories, they put it all up on a board. And for me, as an intern who had never seen it before, it was fun to just see all the behind-the-scenes stuff. And and a lot of people don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Everyone think they just see the hour-long newscast. And I believe I was talking to the 4 p.m. producer. His name is Darren when I was there. And he said when he got hired for the job, said that he was producing the 4 p.m. I, I believe he said his mom was like, oh, it's cool. So you're going at like 3 o'clock to, to produce the 4. And he's like, no, I'm there at 8 a.m. Because then that's what happens. You know, people just see the newscast. They don't know that the producers come in at, you know, they work a full shift laying out the show and writing the stories and creating the graphics and all of that stuff. That was, those are one of my favorite things is seeing all the behind the scenes. And that's how you learn too. 
Okay, so now you complete your internship, you finish school at Wayne State. Do you recall your first memory now of that first interview trying to get that job that's really important to you? Because, you know, I talked to a lot of people, that first job is really important because, you know, you want to get your foot in the door Mm -hmm. into something that you're doing, and sometimes it can be, you know, a little bit uh, nerve-wracking waiting and uh, trying to get your name out there, trying to get your first job. So I I actually lucked out, and going Mm -hmm. back earlier, we talked about how I went from Channel 4 to Channel 7. That Mm -hmm. was in my junior year. So my I interned at Channel 7 and turned into a temporary employee uh, second semester junior year of college. And then after the second semester ended in May of, I believe, 2014 is when I started working as an, as an associate producer. Then in August 2014, I went back working full-time on the web. So I, I never really had the full-on interview process to find that first job because I had my full-time job at Channel 7 the year before before I started my senior year of college. So my senior year of college at Wayne State, I worked Saturday, the first semester I worked Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then went to school Tuesday, Thursday. And then the second semester of my senior year, I worked uh, Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and went to school Monday, Wednesday. So that entire year of, of 20, 2014, 2015, I worked full-time and then went to school full-time. And I was doing seven-day weeks nonstop. And it was tiring, but it was good because you know, while, while a lot of my friends were looking for jobs in the TV industry after college, I was just... I had two days off a week for a weekend because I wasn't going to school anymore. So I never really had that job search for the first full-time job after college. I'd lucked out, you know, one of, one of a few. Who are also some of the other mentors that you looked up to in your early work at WXYZ? Who are the other people also too, maybe you looked up to or that took you under their wing and kind of gave you advice as you kind of started early on? So my boss, Seth and my two bosses, Seth and Lyle, uh, Lyle is the executive producer and Seth Mm -hmm. is the director of digital content. They taught me everything I know about working here. Um, Sports-wise, Tom Lydon was a, was a huge help. He's the former sports director at WXYZ. He's now the sports director at, uh, at the Fox 25 station in Boston. Um, and for me, working with Tom was great because Tom was the guy I watched. You know, He had worked at Channel 7 for 10 years, and, and I had always watched Channel 7 as a kid. So I, and I always went to Tom for sports. You know, It was Don Shane, but Tom did the reports. And then when Tom took over as sports director for Don Shane, so it's someone I had looked up to and thought he had done great work. And now I had the opportunity to learn with him and and see how he does things. And it was a blast. Um, there's a producer there when I wanted to learn how to produce and I was the temporary employee on the web, Jen Dotson. Uh, she helped me out on the weekends, took an hour out of her day on weekends and taught me, you know, each week is almost a teacher is here's how, here's how to produce. Here's your assignment. I want you to go through and do this and then we'll go over it next week. And then next week you'll, you know, we'll teach something else. And so when I, uh, had gotten hired as an associate producer, I knew how to do a lot of the stuff because I, Jen was working with me and she said, you know, because I'd worked so hard and she knew I was passionate about it. That's why she was willing to take the time out. And that goes back to what I said earlier about the internship. If you're willing to ask questions and show that you work hard, people are going to help you. Um, but they're not going to want to help somebody that doesn't put in the time and effort to do something. Okay. What were some of the other challenges that you faced working, uh, at WXYZ? Uh, most of the challenges came from just trying to balance full-time work and school. So my senior year was a lot more long form papers where you had to write. It was my capstone courses. So I found, I didn't find myself with a lot of free time. I was, you know, doing schoolwork when, when I was off. So I'd get home at nine o'clock and then I do schoolwork all night and then I'd get up in the morning and go to school all day. And then I do homework in between classes. And then, you know, where normally someone would be off the next day, I had to get up and go back to work. So I got up in the morning. I think I worked 1 to 9.30 at that time, p.m. So I would get up in the morning, and I'd do homework, and then I'd go to work. And so I, I was really tired that year. But when I graduated, it was just a huge relief off my back. And and everyone on the web team came to my graduation because they're like my second family. So I had my family there, and then I had the web team family there. And they, you know, someone at work was – a producer was manning the web in case something happened. But they basically just left the web unattended so that they could all see me graduate. And it was a great feeling. And so what are the trends now you're seeing in terms of, you know, web content? I know now a lot of people are getting their information mobily. Mm-hmm. They're getting alerts left and right. Do you see any other trends going forward in terms of, you know, work on the web and things like that or, or things going on at WXYZ that are new and uh, fresh? I think the mobile the mobile thing is, is just going to continue to grow, um, especially with the younger audience. You know, a lot older people watch TV now and, and younger people use their phone. And for example, I have a, a 21-year-old sister who does not like the news does not watch the news, but she has the WXYZ app and she checks it religiously. And she will ask me like, hey, how come there isn't this story? Or, you know, sometimes there's a down period in news from like noon to 4 p.m. while the story, you're waiting for the stories to come to fruition. And she'll she'll text me like, hey, this the story's old. How come there isn't anything new? She checks it all the time. And that's the thing, you know, mobile, 
your cell phones are in the hands of younger people all the time. And so if we can get them to download our app and most of our traffic comes from our mobile app, I think at least 60% of the people use our mobile app and that's how they get their news compared to then it's desktop and then tablet. So I, I only see the mobile trend continuing, especially as phones get easier and easier to use and more technologically advanced. Um, I was briefly reading a report like maybe a couple weeks ago and I came across something. I didn't put uh, too much into it, but I, I did definitely uh, caught my attention. It was virtual reality. I think nowadays there's an opportunity. I believe there's something going on maybe with ESPN or something like that where you can have a full experience maybe with NASCAR or some other type of events where okay. you, can, you can kind of – of you know sign up for some some type of service or something like that through your television and through some kind of you know connection or goggles mm-hmm. something like that you can have a more enhanced version of, of watching a sporting event nascar would be fun to do that for i'm a big nascar fan um that is growing i i see it more and more um at the auto show f- for this year for instance i believe it was acura had virtual reality goggles you could put on and you could like touch the you re, you would reach out with your hand and you could spin the car and and see everything uh one of the editors at, at channel 7 quentin has virtual reality goggles and they download apps now and i think they're sort of expensive but they're fun and so you put your phone in and that becomes your virtual reality screen and there was one where you're basically iron man so you see yourself as Iron Man. <laughs> exactly, you know, you know, yeah. You're Iron Man and you're seeing all this stuff around you falling apart and you look up and if you look at your hands, you can see where he has like the blaster and it's ba- it was just, it's fun. And I think it appeals to, to kids too because, you know, when I was a kid, we didn't have that virtual reality stuff. It was, the only thing I can remember is watching the movie Blank Check and his virtual reality was a whole thing he had to pull down over his head, not little goggles and you know, now, and again, it goes back to mobile. Everything is on your phone now. And so even the virtual reality, you use your phone to get the screen and to get the apps where you can do the games. I think that'll grow more and more. And the live video is also growing too from your phone. Face Periscope is took off really big. It's kind of died down a little bit, but now Facebook live is, is growing huge. And I, I see more and more pages, especially sports pages, you know, whether it's Fox sports or, or NASCAR on, on Fox does a lot of it. They do, you know, they'll just, they'll go live and it gets, as I said earlier, it gets a ton of viewership in a really short time and it draws people to your page. Now with your love of sports, um, you're part of the WXYZ sports cave. Mm-hmm. You're doing the, you know, uh, uploading and tweeting out stuff, yep. updates and things like that. Talk a little bit about live television, being around backstage, watching what's going on, kind of seeing the host kind of having to, you know, adjust to maybe some minor things mm-hmm. going on that are not always great or things like that. Live television seems like it's exciting and t- to be around, especially for someone who's not, who's not in it. It is fun, especially in, in a breaking news situation, because in a breaking news situation, whether it's sports or news, you're kind of getting the information as you go. And so once you get something confirmed, you, you just pass it along to the anchors right away so that they can read it. And then, uh, and this goes back to, to the digital trend is they're always pushing to our website because in, in TV, you're limited by time. You have to hit your commercial breaks. You have to hit click points, which are uh, points in the newscast where you want to be on, on air and not in, in commercial. So you're, you're pushing to the newscast a lot. The control room can get crazy in those situations because there's a communication gap. Uh, and then tonight is election night, Tuesday, which is one of the craziest nights of them all. Um, and it's not even full on election night. It's just primary night. But when, when actually in November, when election night happens and all of the, the schools have, or all of the, the cities have their millages and their small town elections, as well as a presidential election. I mean, we have almost a full staff in the newsroom. Everybody is working, importing elections to get them on TV and then get them online. And the program they use when they put them on air, it also updates it online. So then people are going online to get their elections and our, our numbers climb. I mean, we're looking at six, 7,000 people on the, on, on our website at one time looking at election results. Gotcha. Do you remember a specific breaking news story that just got so chaotic that you're trying to get information in the the story is unfolding mm-hmm. and uh, you know control room is, is going all out of control? I think one is uh, recently is the San Bernardino shooting. It was it was crazy. A lot of that too. A lot of that was they did national coverage too. So it was trying to figure out when we were going to go on because in a situation like that, a national team or a national network like ABC News can cover the story better than a local. Story well. Um, another one, and, you know, these are unfortunate incidents. Mm-hmm. Was the Kalamazoo shooting? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I remember I had I had woken up at six a.m. that Sunday to go to the gym before I went to work, and I saw all the alerts, and I'm like, you know what, I have to just go into work. So at six a.m., I I went into work, and I worked until I believe six p.m. Um, and then someone else came in and covered me as we got updates. You know, we had reporters in Kalamazoo, and new information was coming out, and then Twitter is a big help with that too, because a lot of Law enforcement agencies will use Twitter to uh, to send out updates to people. But that's one. And then uh, last year, Bill Bonds died, mm-hmm. uh, who's the main anchor Channel 7 for decades. And I had gotten halfway home after I left um, my Saturday at 530. 
I'd worked a full shift. I got halfway home and then someone said, Hey Max, how, how often, how fast can you get back to the station? I said, I don't know, 20 minutes. Why? And Bill Bonds died. Well, I just turned around and worked another eight hours. Um, sports wise, I wasn't at the station this morning, but I'm guessing the Calvin Johnson thing had a lot of people going, especially online. Uh, you so know, who's your partner then in crime when, uh, when uh, stories like when a story's breaking like that and you're uh, having off day. So in the morning it's going to be Alex Bahu. She works, mm-hmm. and then at night it'll be Scott Anderson, and mm-hmm. then as well as uh, Seth and Lyle. My two bosses are always around during the day, so they'll help out. Sports is a is a nighttime business almost mm-hmm. because that's when all the games take place. So there's not a lot of sports people there in the morning, or if they are, they're out on a shoot doing mm-hmm. a report. So Casey or Justin are out, you know, shooting a story for later. Um, and the Brad's usually at Red Wings practice or something, but then they go out and then they come back to do all the nightside work. Um, but I, Alex did a great job from checking email and she got the push alert out. So I got to give a shout out to Alex for that. The Calvin Johnson news today. Yeah, that's man. I can't believe Calvin Johnson saga now is over. So now we'll get a chance to look to the future and mm-hmm. we'll talk about that in just a few minutes here with Max White. You can follow him on Twitter at, is it Max White WXYZ? Yes. Very simple. Yes. Very simple, simple name. Very simple name. And so he's a good follow too. Gives a lot of great opinions, a lot of good stuff. And, uh, Max is a good dude. Thank you again for coming in here. No, thank you for having me. So now what are your current career goals? What do you looked at? Okay. You've been working, uh, steadily digital producer WXYZ. Mm-hmm. What are your, what would you say your current one or two goals now career wise? I mean, I, I could see myself staying at WXYZ for the rest of my career. My whole family is in Detroit. I would love to go work at, at a network as well. So an ABC news or an NBC news, because I'm a news junkie as much as I am a sports junkie. Um, and then also, you know, doing digital producing and social media at a sports station, whether it's ESPN or a Fox sports, or even just a, you know, uh, like a newspaper newspapers are still a huge business when it comes to sports. So doing maybe a digital producer job and I'll, I'll give a shout out to the Detroit free press here. They have a great sports department, especially digital. I think, uh, if I, if I think my, if my boss is, Correct. I think Brian Manzullo does a great job with the free press sports and their their Twitter account is a fun follow if you ever need a fun follow. They're they're sarcastic and they're witty, but they're also great. So if you were working as a digital producer, what what could you envision yourself be doing if you weren't if you didn't have the job you have now? I would probably either be a newspaper reporter in mm-hmm. some small town in the middle of nowhere because that's how you get your start usually in, in newspaper. Or I would I would be working as toward producing new shows. So I would I would Probably not in Detroit if I didn't get the job, but in a smaller market, maybe up in uh, a Cadillac or not Cadillac, maybe a Traverse City or a smaller market in another state being a producer and producing shows from there, because that's usually how it goes. You work, uh, you know, you work in a smaller market and then grow your way up. So that or sports producing, I would love to do sports producing as well. I mean, I've mentioned that, you know, sports and news junkie. So I I would try and if I did the newspaper, it would try to do sports. So I'd probably start start off covering high school sports somewhere, even in Michigan, working for an M Live or something, covering high school sports, and then working my way up from there. Okay, very interesting, mm-hmm. very good stuff. I appreciate that, and uh, I definitely appreciate the work that you do. Definitely getting information out there. It's no easy feat. So your work is appreciated. Thank That's you. very good yeah, stuff. I'm glad. Definitely. I'm a follower, no doubt. It's good about, to be appreciated. Yeah, no problem. So let's talk a little bit about our lines. Have you ever? in the time frame of being a line supporter. And in town, I think everybody goes through it maybe briefly because of the lack of success. Now, there have been moments here and there of, of great play, of hope. You know, the Lions have made the playoffs a couple times in the recent, you know, last six, seven years. But have you ever considered being Lions free? Just because of the fact that it's so tough to support a team where you have expectation every fall, and then it's just one playoff win since 91. The, the le- sometimes when they lose, they lose in grand fashion, like this year versus Green Bay, the, mm-hmm. hail, the, whole, Hail Mary, the oh. whole Hail Mary play. Have you ever thought maybe I should get a B team or really support that B team a little bit more? So I do have a B team. I, am a, I am a Patriots fan, oh. which is, a, I mean, that's, the, that's every, <laughs> I feel like that's everybody's B team. But I, I have contemplated going Lions free. But my Lions, Why? It just they, it, they're frustrating. They break your heart. It's like I, I compare the Lions to the girlfriend you can't get over, the one that got away almost, because you always you always think there's hope that you guys are going to get back together, and you always think there's hope that things are going to work out, and it starts off great again, and then they they go and break your heart again, and that's you know every every summer, every August they do, or in, in, in the spring they do the draft, and then camp starts, and you're so excited. You know, uh, training camp is back and you go out into Allen Park and watch the Lions and then they do the preseason games and you're like, oh, football's back and you're so excited. And then they start off and they do great and and then they, they start, then they do a Lions thing and then they do another same old Lions thing and then you think about it, eh, maybe I should just stop watching for the year. I will say my Lions free is more I'll just root against the team <laughs> and get upset when things happen because like, for instance, this year. You know, they started off, I think, two and six or one, one and seven. And then they started winning all those games and they just, 
there's no need to win those games when you're not going to make the playoffs. So uh, when, for instance, I was really happy when, when the Lions were beating Green Bay, but I was also like, why are you doing this? There's no need to do this. And then the Hail Mary happened and it broke my heart. And I'm like, why am I upset about this? You know, these are the Lions. I didn't even want them to win. Why does this hurt so bad? Then it goes back because they're Lions. Um, I, I am such a big Lions fan, though. I have a Lions tattoo. This is, I don't know if you've seen the episode of our webcast with Justin Rose where I break the news that I have a Lions tattoo. He, he really struggles to hear me say that I have a Lions tattoo for a little bit. But And I thought I had told him, but I had won the free tattoo. I think his name, the, the artist is Keith Grodi, four, three or four years ago. If the Lions won and you commented on his post about the Lions winning with what he said to comment, you he would give you a free Lions tattoo. So they had won a game. I was the fourth person to comment, so I didn't get the free Lions tattoo. So I, I was on my laptop the next week waiting for the Lions to win. They lost. Then the next two weeks I was ready, and they lost the next two weeks. And then so finally, they're, uh, you know three weeks go by, and I'm watching the Lions game, and they're up great. And so I'm waiting for this post, and there's like 30 seconds left, and I keep hitting refresh, keep hitting refresh. And uh, I got one of the comments, and so I, I, got, I went to his – at the time, I think he was at Eternal Tattoos in Clawson, and so I went and got a Lions tattoo on my right calf. Still have it. It's still there. <laughs> what is it, the helmet or the – No, it's it? the logo. It's oh, the logo. my yep. goodness. Max, come on. Are you serious? Yep. You branded. I am branded. That's, that's awesome, dude. That's that's pretty cool. You know what? In the end, I know I really do kind of find it funny that a lot of a lot of a lot of sports fans here in town have taken a B team. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to say, okay, you know what? I have ridden the roller coaster of emotion with the Lions. Yep. I can't be Lions free. I just get more and more angry. That's I, I, I just yep. feel like my level of anger now on a scale of one to ten is like a forty four. <laughs> and and you know, and on my Twitter, everyone's like, "You're so negative." I'm like, okay, I understand. Everyone loves Matthew Stafford, yeah. and he's the best that everyone's ever seen. But I'm like. As a quarterback, as a starting quarterback, even he knows he's judged on wins and losses. Mm -hmm. How can you go now seven, eight, nine years in your career, no playoff wins, and you're still the guy? What's your take on, you know, Matthew Stafford? Are you a supporter, neutral, ready to kind of look at uh, maybe someone else like uh, maybe a Connor Cook or something? (laughs) I am. I'm neutral leaning toward ready to look for somebody else. Especially, what's at, it going to take, man? <laughs> I, I don't know. So my my thought is that Calvin Johnson always made Matthew Stafford a better quarterback. So I think this year is going to be the year that we finally see who Matthew Stafford really is because Calvin Johnson won't be there. And there have been times when Calvin Johnson has been injured and, and other receivers have stepped it up and, and Matthew Stafford has stepped it up. So I think this year is is my is my year of determine where I determine where I stand on Matthew Stafford. But right now I'm neutral, leaning toward it's time to find somebody else. I mean. He's a, he's a good quarterback. He can make a lot of passes people other quarterbacks can't make, but he also makes a lot of passes quarterbacks shouldn't make to the other team. Um, and so I think this year we'll uh, we'll see what happens. That's I'll I'll make my determination after this year. But yeah, as I've said, I think it's I think we draft a quarterback maybe in the later rounds this year, um, and we sit him on the bench and we see how it goes. And you know maybe you find that guy. Not you're not no one's ever going to find Tom Brady again. You don't find a Tom Brady, but. You know, maybe you find a, I wouldn't say Joe Flacco, but I feel like people in Baltimore feel but the way we feel about Matthew Stafford, about Joe Flacco. Just, you know, maybe we give someone else a shot if things start falling apart. And I thought it was great last year to see uh, Jim Caldwell bench Matthew Stafford because yeah. it was, that needed to happen. You know, he wasn't playing well and he, he apparently he told Stafford, like, you do this again, you're getting benched. And he did it again and he got benched. And, you know, I think Lions fans, some Lions fans are like, why are you benching Matthew Stafford? While other Lions fans like me were like, well, it's about time. You know, let's just see what happens. We all know he's going to start next week, but he's not doing anything in this game. We're not coming back. So it's time to sit him on the bench. Bob Quinn hired from New England, your B team, and uh, they have a long track record of success, obviously. Mm -hmm. Are you now kind of saying, okay, maybe they get one more year of patience to see what he does this year's draft? I'm kind of hoping that the draft is going to be a little bit more organized, Mm -hmm. maybe going to have some talent that actually stays on the field. And we don't have entire years where – there's nobody from that draft class. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you say that, it kind of just infuriates you more. Yep. But my anger was that at 74 at the end of the season, they went out and got Bob Quinn, dropped it 30, so my anger out at scale of 1 to 10 is now 44. That's I do fair. have, Yeah, I do have a little bit of hope that Bob Quinn is going to at least organize everything. The only move, I guess, that he made that makes me raise my eyebrow is keeping Caldwell. I understand the move, but I'm happy to see, and I'm really looking forward to see what he does with this first draft, Bob Quinn. Yeah, the Caldwell thing for me was a little iffy. Uh, I know a lot of people were fans of it, but I think as many people who were fans of it weren't fans of it. But if he has the team's trust, like everybody says, and the players want him back, then I think you do it. I would give Bob Quinn, I mean, for me in the NFL, you need like three to four years to build the team you want now, you know, to get your draft classes in. The only thing I'm worried about with Bob Quinn, and I was so happy when they hired him, is that 
yeah, he's from the Patriots, but is do the Patriot do the Patriots only work out because they are the Patriots because they have Bill Belichick and because they have everybody involved and all, you know they know how to run the organization. Um, who is it? Romeo Cornell left the Patriots and never was super successful as the head coach. And that's what I've always been afraid of is maybe these guys were successful with the Patriots because they were in the Patriots organization. And then once they leave the Patriots organization, which is almost like a perfect organization, the way they run things, you know, the cheating scandals aside, but so it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think he, he has one to two years to, to get the team he wants. And then, you know, another year or two to, I think we at least need, I don't think he should be fired anytime soon. I think he needs three to four years to kind of get his team. And I mean, they stuck with, with Matt Millen and, and uh, Martin Mayhew for so long when they shouldn't have stuck with him. If they don't give, uh, if they don't give Bob Quinn enough time to get the team he was, then that's a lack of, that's a problem with ownership for letting that happen. Okay, so are you and I, Adam and Justin, ready to suit up for the Red Wings? Maybe try to put some bucks in the net. <laughs> How frustrating can it be? I, uh, you know, I was watching the the web show and someone made a funny question and or uh, submitted a funny question saying that the Red Wings score as much as my cousin Adam does. Yes. I mean, what is going on with these Red Wings? I mean, year in year out, the last couple of seasons, you've seen that the moves that Ken Holland has made haven't really produced the results that we're expecting. Mm-hmm. This year, they stand pat. It's a little bit disappointing because you see the team that has potential but just needs like an infusion of maybe one or two new players, a strong scoring, mm-hmm. you know, power forward maybe or another defenseman to shore up that defense, but that your Red Wing team, my god, they're 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 <laughs> frustrating to watch, man. They are they're uh, they're almost as frustrating as the Lions right now. I I wrote a good story yesterday on on our website. I worked a couple hours on it. Um about the lack of scoring and the fact that if they don't fix something, they're going to miss the playoffs. I mean, right now they're sitting in last place in the playoffs in the Atlantic or in the Eastern conference. And they're only four points out of the flyers. I don't know if that changed last night. I don't know if the flyers played, uh, they play Columbus tonight. It's a big game, but they rank 23rd in scoring right now in the NHL at 2.49 goals per game. They have 17 games left in the season where they play 12 teams of those 12 teams. 10 of them rank ahead of them in scoring. And four of those teams are in the top 10 in scoring. I think you're looking at the Lightning, the Bruins. I Montreal, can't. Pittsburgh. This month I of think, March for, is going to be brutal and, for the and, Red Wings. It's unbelievable. I mean, coming up this week, you got Winnipeg, the Rangers, mm-hmm. and Toronto, Philadelphia. I think they, play, they play Columbus tonight, I believe. Yeah, they play Columbus, yeah. This should be a win tonight. They yeah. need the win tonight. Um, Howard's in net. You can't say that. You know what, though? Can the we way Marazic has been playing. What do you think? Good Jimmy Howard, bad Jimmy Howard tonight? I think we get good Jimmy Howard. I think oh, okay. Jimmy Howard needs to have a good game. I saw an article yesterday, I think on 97.1, that, uh, that said it's time to put Jimmy Howard back in. And yeah. I read it, and I was in, intrigued because Morazic has not been playing well lately. I think he's three, three, and one in his last seven games, but three of those games he's given up more five goals or more. And you know he got pulled in the Blackhawks game on on Sunday after giving up two goals in six minutes. Now, given it's the Blackhawks, they're a great team, but still. And an interesting stat I looked at yesterday, I also included in my article, is that he's played forty five games this season already. It's more than he's played in at least the last seven or eight years. Uh, the most games he—that's he, the most, definitely the most he's played since 2012, where he played 42 games with the Griffins. But that's a lot of games for someone. He's only 24 years old. You know, he's young. He's a great goalie. We've all seen it. But I think maybe you do. You know, if if Howard plays well tonight, maybe you stick with him. You know, you, hot goalies are great. And you look at the LA Kings. They won the they won the Stanley Cup a couple of years ago from an eight seed with a hot goalie and Jonathan Quick. And I think if they make the playoffs and Mrazek catch fire. This team's up to anything. Now, do I think they can make it to the Stanley Cup? Probably not, especially with the lack of scoring they need. But You heard it here. Max is ready for a goalie controversy. I am ready. There's for... nothing better than a good goalie controversy around town here, I, man. I like to say the, the two the two top two favorite players in Detroit are the backup goalie and the backup quarterback. And you I think it. everybody says that. But And and that's, you know, I, I love a little goalie controversy, especially if and a goalie controversy is a good thing because usually that means there's two goalies playing well. So, you know, no one's complaining about goalie controversy. They're complaining about the person who isn't starting in that. What are some of your favorite memories around town going to some uh, sporting events, some of the things maybe you witnessed live that have, go- that have stuck with you that are still memorable to you? Because in Detroit, I always tell people, what a blessing we have, you know, you can have the Tigers, Red Wings, Lions, mm-hmm. Pistons, college teams, even the teams like Oakland and and uh, University of Detroit Mercy. Mm-hmm. They're right around right around the way. You have access if you love sports to really sink your teeth into a lot here. So, what what kind of things do you like to do? Uh, maybe in your free time, what events do you like to check out? I am a I, I this year I bought a partial season ticket plan for the Red Wings. Um, I still nice. I okay. still live at home, so I have the extra income where I can do it. So I, I bought ten games, mm-hmm. and I, I the way I worked it out is I actually spent. Almost as much money as I would on 10 games on seven games last year, seven or eight games. I said, you know what? This is worth it. I'll go to three extra games. 
Um, my, uh, my favorite sports memories, my number one is I went to the alumni showdown in 2013 at Comerica with oh, the nice, Red Wings yep. and Maple Leafs. Oh, wow. It was zero degrees outside. I'm a huge fan of the cold. So it was zero degrees outside. We were outside for seven hours, but I, you know, I got to see two different Red Wings teams, one with hall of famers and Stanley cup winners. And then the other, almost the B team play first, but you know, seeing all those guys on the ice another time, guys I watched growing up as a kid play. And then guys, even before that play was amazing. Uh, my number two sports moment, I was there when Maglio hit the home run in 2006. My dad had gotten tickets the night before and for some reason shelled out and got a suite. So we were in the left the left field suite. Set the stage for us. What suite. was that like? It was amazing. So my, my older brother and I, we get to the ballpark and we run down to the suite. And my dad just bought extra suite tickets. I thought we had the whole suite to ourselves. So we open the door and there's all these people in the suite like, what's going on? So we run back and we're like, no, we're in there with all these other people. So we're sitting there, you know, it's, uh, I think it's bottom of the ninth, Placido's on second. I can't remember who's on first. It might be Craig Monroe. Uh, Maglio steps up to the plate and, and he hits that bomb off Houston street. And because we're the last suite in left field, we're almost overhanging the bullpen and we see that ball bounce in there. And at that point I jumped up and I just hugged the guy next to me. I had no idea who he was, but that place just went crazy. I mean, my arm hurt so much the next day from swinging the rally towel and, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. I have long sleeves on, but I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. It was so much fun. My third favorite sports memory was I was there when Calvin Johnson broke the record. So mm-hmm. my, my best friend, Mike, who went to Auburn and I, uh, he and I were at the game and we were sitting uh, behind the end zone and we saw everyone knew that Calvin Johnson was one pass away or one catch away from breaking the record. And he, he caught that pass and then he broke across and cut across the midfield and ran to, it was the right side of the field, but it was our left because they were coming towards us. And then my fourth favorite memory is also with the Lions. Um, Christmas Eve, I think 2011 maybe, was uh, when they clinched the playoff spot against the Chargers. And Cliff Averill had jumped up and one-handed intercepted the ball. And that was the they had finally clinched that game. And my brother and I, instead of, uh, instead of going to church with my family on Christmas Eve, they were pretty mad about that. We went to the, to the Lions game. But we saw him clinch the playoffs and saw him run around the field and high-five everybody. So those are... Those are my favorite sports memories. Um, my least favorite, a couple of years ago when the Red Wings played the Blackhawks. For me, I hate the Blackhawks more than I hate any other team in sports. As you mentioned earlier, I'm a Michigan fan. I hate the Blackhawks more than I hate Ohio State. Um, and my Mike and I were at the at the game, and uh, you know the Red Wings. I think all they need they were up. I can't remember if it was three two in that series. If it was game six, uh, I think they were up two two to one in the second period, and then they they blew the lead. And it, it, I was, I was heartbroken. And uh, so, how are you this week when the Red Wings played the Blackhawks not only once but twice? And then on uh, Sunday, they decided that uh, yeah, let's <laughs> let's uh, spot uh, the Blackhawks a uh, one nothing lead with twenty five seconds in I the game. Know, I don't know who thought <laughs> to schedule the Blackhawks in back to back games. Yeah, nice, huh? Uh, I had, I actually had tickets to Wednesday's game, but I went to I went to Florida last week, so I mm-hmm. had to get rid of them, which made me really happy because I couldn't have taken it. Drumming, yeah, they um, got they got, and it was, it's it's tough to watch because they're a team that really bottomed out. And they've just built supremely, and they might—they're second in points. They might, you know, they're—they're they're, going to win the cup. They again might win this it year. again, yeah. That's my opinion. They're going to win the cup again this year, and I hate saying that. <laughs> um, and then last year when the Wings played the Lightning, oh. um, I my friend Danielle and I went to a game. It was her first Red Wings game. She's also not allowed to go to any more Red Wings <laughs> games, but we're going on Sunday. Um, so you know, they had the Wings were up right going six minutes left in the third period. I had a little too much beer. I really had to go to the bathroom. So I get up and I go to the bathroom. I go as fast as I can. I come back. I said, what happened? She's like, they scored a goal. I'm like, are you kidding me? We're up two nothing. With six minutes left, they scored a goal. Okay, whatever. They scored a goal. It's fine. I sit down. I finally get into it. And by that time, they score again. And they tie it. And then they go into overtime. And they score quickly in overtime. And I'm like, are you kidding me? We needed the, We just needed to win. That's all we needed to do. We would have stranglehold on the series. It would have been it. And and they lost and the Red Wings, they break my heart as much as the Lions do almost. And that's, I love hockey because it's fast paced and it's low scoring. And that's the thing. That's the beauty of hockey is like, well, I didn't see, I didn't bring you here to break your heart. So I'm going to, okay, we'll, yeah. we'll end this on a positive note and a note that we definitely can sink our teeth into. How excited were you when Jim Harbaugh was announced as the Michigan football coach, a guy that I'm sure that once you type his name, J I M H A R B A U G H, you hit send, you know, my work is done for the next five, 10 minutes. Yep. <laughs> yeah, What's I, your thoughts on Jim Harbaugh and this whole 
uh, ordeal with this coach who really has come in and with the way that he's presented himself has just really captivated an audience and one that was just waiting to be captivated, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Harbaugh in, in Ann Arbor is now Ann Arbaugh. I mean, that place is... <laughs> It's crazy, and it's it's fun. It, I haven't heard of that. That's good. It's fun to see him on the sidelines. They got T-shirts everywhere. Uh, I was really happy. I my dad was probably happier. I mean, it. I, and what were the San Francisco Giants or San Francisco 49ers thinking, letting this guy go? I mean, he's obviously a great coach. He comes in and he turns the pro. He doesn't turn the program around, but this team should not have won as many games as they did. And I think he knew his team was bad because, you know, you know, everyone knows how Harbaugh is. He just says it like it is and does things. But, you know, after Jake Rudock threw a couple interceptions or whatever in the first game, he kind of like took him over to the sidelines. And I think he knew his his team wasn't as good, but he's done something. And I think it's going to be fun. And that's just as as a Michigan State fan, you should know that's going to make the rivalry a lot better than it used to be. It's not going to be dominant by either team. It's these teams could go back and forth and Michigan could could go to the college football playoff as much as Michigan State went to the college football playoff last year. Is it true that the reason why there's so much coverage regarding Jim Harbaugh is that whatever you put out there regarding him, whether he's, you know, recruiting someone or going to their home, whether he's climbing trees, sleeping over, wrestling with them, whether he's showing up at at Raw. (laughs) At Raw, yeah, that's right, he was. Whatever he's doing is is generating a lot of buzz. You think it's good or bad? Because there's also now you have the traditionalists who say – Come on now, we get this. We understand it's a new era. You want to bring in recruits. But there's also a little bit, maybe they're not the vocal majority, but there's a little bit of, you know, kind of like, hey, this is Michigan. This is the big block M. You don't need to kind of be doing all that in order to bring attention to yourself. How do you weigh in on on that? People that are saying maybe this guy's maybe getting a little bit too much, maybe bordering on troublesome. Uh, In my opinion, the traditionalists just kind of need to shut up. It's a new world. You know, why is Oregon such a popular school? Because they've got a million different jersey combinations and a deal with Nike. The kids love the, all the different jersey combinations. And that's why signing Nike and Jordan is a huge deal. I mean, the kid, you know, young kids love Jordan. These are teenagers coming in, you know, and they're not all coming from Michigan. They don't know the Michigan tradition like other people will. Harbaugh still knows that. He played under Bo. And just talking, we had John Falcon, the equipment, former equipment manager. I think he's actually back with the team now. Mm-hmm. On the sports cave, and just listening to that guy talk about Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh knows the traditions. He he's not forgotten about the traditions, but he's also doing what he d- needs to do to get Michigan to the program that that the traditionalists want it to be without doing the things that Harbaugh is doing. Harbaugh knows what he has to do, and he knows what he's doing. And I think it's he's going to do a great job, and it's going to be a fun few years. And in my opinion, I think this is Harbaugh's last job. And he sounded genuine when he had his opening press conference that said this is the job he wanted. I do think this is Harbaugh's last job. Yeah, maybe when you get comfortable, you just feel like, you know what, I've had success, 10-win season. Mm-hmm. Um, th- th- he has rallied the Michigan fan base. I mean, and when when you have a season like that with the talent that they had, just imagine when he gets his guys in there. It's going to be fun. Yep. Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, college football is going to be something to watch in the next five years. You so, can't miss it. It's a really stacked one side of the Big Ten. I think they need to change that up a little bit and because you're going to have three teams battling out for basically one spot, whereas on the other side you have like a Wisconsin. And yeah, they're great, but, you know, you have three teams on one side who are all in the next few years probably have a chance to make the college football playoff. The problem is, is that, you know, with all of them in one conference, only one person's going to the Big Ten. Can you imagine a Michigan State, Ohio State, or a Michigan, Michigan State, or a Michigan, Ohio State Big Ten championship where both teams are 11 and 0 or 12 and 0 going into that game? There's a chance that if both teams play well in the future, both those teams could go to the college football playoff and we could be the, where the SEC has two teams in it. Woohoo! You and I have a very similar interest outside of the traditional sports, big wrestling fans. Yes. And it's a great, you were there Monday Night Raw. I remember now, you know, events, you know, going to the Royal Rumble in Detroit. You really think about it in terms of wrestling. They've had, you know, great events. WrestleMania 23 at mm-hmm. Ford Field was unbelievable. Uh, a spectacle. I was there. Something I'll never, ever forget. Um, how did you develop a, a love of wrestling? And it's, it's, it's great to, even to this day to peek in every once in a while. And sometimes it's, it's fun to even, you know, let out a little bit of your childhood uh, spirit because so many people, like I know you brought it up to Justin and his eyes glaze over. And uh, it, it, Justin Rose, and yeah. his eyes glaze over. It's kind of funny for those that don't love wrestling but it's a fun thing to get into it is you know and that everyone who says it's fake i'm like well you watch movies right those aren't those aren't real um i i watched wrestling as a kid loved it stone cold's the attitude era um you know i was late into the attitude era because i was so young uh and then i i was you know 12 or 13 i I stopped watching it for a while because no but none of no one none of my friends watched it so i didn't have anyone to talk about it with Uh, i picked it back up in the last year year and a half um and i've gotten my younger brother into it now so the first, actually, the first show I ever went to was a couple months in December. They did a house show at the Joe, and it was fun. And 
Uh, Roman Reigns was the champion, and I like Roman Reigns. A lot, a lot of people don't, but it's mostly because my brother loves Roman Reigns, so he's he's fun. Uh, and then Mike Foss, who is a sports producer, Channel 7, also a huge wrestling fan. So we went to the NXT show, which is technically WWE's developmental league, but it's almost become a brand of its own. Um, we went to that in January, and then I took my younger brother uh, to Raw a couple weeks ago, and it was a blast. Shane McMahon came out, and Shane O'Mac, and, and the place went nuts, and that was one of the loudest I've heard I've heard the Joe and it was, it, it's a blast and it's fun. You know what? That's the thing. I sit down on Monday nights and I watch it and I have the network where I can watch NXT on Wednesdays and I get all the pay-per-views. So, and it, for me, it's also something now that my brother and I can bond with. He's 14. He's getting a little older. He doesn't really want to hang out with his older brother as much, but because none of his friends like wrestling, he has to talk to me about it. So we can, you know, we can bond over that and go to shows and, and it, it's, it's fun. And you know, it's not like it was in the attitude era, but it'll be interesting to see. we got WrestleMania coming up next and, Somehow they always seem to, you know, WrestleMania is the Super Bowl. So they pull out all the stops and no matter what's happening, they usually do a good job making WrestleMania great. No, exactly. Nine ninety nine. you got the complete wrestling archive. Mm-hmm. I found myself staying up till 3, 4 in the morning now, catching up on yep. past WrestleManias, events that I've been to, recalling all the things, and now they're putting out content too. So yep. WWE Network is a great investment. And what they do is it's really smart. They give you the first month free. Yep. And so you, you can enjoy it for 30 days before you sign up, and that's and, how they do it. And, and they, now they, you're getting WrestleMania. They used to not give WrestleMania free, but now, now you they can are. sign up and get WrestleMania for free. And it's a great it's a great system a la Netflix. You just mm-hmm. give away for free, and then you're going to retain a certain percentage because as long as you have good content and just the archive alone mm-hmm. is worth it. So it's a great price. Well, it's a great the, investment. It's fun. The, the pay-per-views, too. I mean, if you watch three pay-per-views, suddenly – you know, $55 a pay-per-view is your $165, whereas for the network, you're paying $120 a year. So it just if you just want to get the network to watch the pay-per-views by itself, and you can hook up an Apple TV or just use your laptop with an HDMI cord, watch it on your big screen, and, and that's it. You save money just get watching the pay-per-views alone. Favorite wrestler of all time? Stone Cold Steve Austin. Just okay. the guy I used to, I was a kid and had the, the jean shorts cut off like right at the thigh like he used to. And it was I just, you know, he's a guy everyone could appeal to. He was a guy who, who slammed the beer together and flipped off the crowd and, and did everything else. He just didn't care about anybody, did what he wanted. So I, I loved him growing up as a kid. Max White, WXYZ digital producer, kind yes. enough to come to Sterling Heights, give us great insight regarding his career, sharing some stories regarding his time around town, sharing that he's got a Detroit Lions tattoo on his calf. Also a Tigers. And a, a Tigers like a tattoo. You got other tattoos as yes. well? Yes. I appreciate your time. Now, we, we get everybody out of here on this question. Mm-hmm. You got four tickets. You can go to any sporting event, any venue in the world. You can take three people, friends, family, famous people, dead people, dead or alive. What sporting event would you want to go to? Who would you take? That's a great question. <laughs> I, I love golf. I would say the Masters Tournament. Uh, I'd love to walk on Augusta National. I feel like it'd be, I, I don't know, the softest carpet in the world, I feel like. I would take my grandpa because he's a... Uh, He's a huge golf fan. Justin might like this. I, I know Justin loves golfing. I would probably take Justin. Um, and then I would love to also hang out with Gary Player. I met Gary Player once at a at a pro am, and he like I was there visiting in Naples, Florida at the Ace Tournament, which is a, a tournament for the the uh, where the older, more retired former PGA players play. Um, and Gary Player had, had pulled me under the rope one day and like walked a fairway with me, and it was awesome. So th- those would be my three people. I appreciate your time. Thank you for coming in here. Thank you for having me. No, it was fun. Great to get to know you. And now, anytime at all, you want to chat wrestling, you can always chat with at Detroit Podcast. Absolutely. We'll definitely check it out. And Ross coming back in July. Maybe we'll hang out. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Thanks, Max. I appreciate your time. Thanks. Appreciate it.